The No Quarter Given podcast is brought to you by BuckPower.com, TicketSmarter.com, Titan Home Lending, Print and Marketing Solutions, and Star Alvarado, our real estate agent in the state of Florida. Enjoy the podcast. Ahoy, Buck fans! Are ye looking for a different kind of podcast that centers on the yellow-bellied opponents? Well, you've come to the right place. Get ready for an enjoyable, in-depth look back at the important moments, historical facts, and games for the Buccaneers against this week's opposition. It's the No Quarter Given podcast on the BuckPower.com podcast network. Now, let's get started with your co-hosts, Jason Powers and Peter Blake. Hi, right, welcome in, Buck fans. Another edition of the No Quarter Given Podcast. A losing edition, a fourth in a row losing edition. Bucks fall to three and five as they fall to the Houston Texans, 39-37 in a wild one in Houston on Sunday. I'm your host, Jason, along with Peter Blake. Welcome in, Peter. Yeah, man. You know, I thought they were going to have the win. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, 46 seconds happens and the Bucks lose. I, I don't even know what to say. I'm out there at Riveters in Tampa. We're having a good crowd. Everybody's excited. And then next thing you know, Bucks fans are out of there like uh, like there's never a game that happened. Throwing things and it's just. And then on top of it, I'm trying to do a post game show and I find out that Facebook Facebook and their grand wisdom because there was music playing in the background because you can't have a good time on social media because people get offended by that. Of course, with copyright, uh, they decided to shut it down. So they did. I didn't get a chance to do a post game and I had to not do any live shows until tonight. So there you go. That's how the day went. Well, the people can. The people are eager to hear your content, Peter Blake. So you're going to you're going to get plenty of opportunity in this podcast to uh, discuss this game. We're going to, again lots of topics to discuss. First off, let's start with uh, just some statistical stuff in the game. Baker Mayfield threw for 265 yards, two touchdowns. Rashad White, 119 total yards and two touchdowns. Kate Otten with a nice game, 71 yards and two touchdowns. But the magical statistic for the game, C.J. Stroud, rookie record, 470 yards passing, five touchdowns, three guys over 100 yards receiving for the Texans. Yeah, I mean, you have all these injuries to your offensive line, and that would be the Texans. Uh, You have no-name wide receivers, and they all go for 100 yards. And you're supposed to have this veteran-laden defense, which, by the way, Carlton Davis talked at nauseum about in the offseason how they were going to wreck this and wreck that and cause turnovers and quite possibly had his worst game of his career oh no doubt there's no doubt about that and and i asked you this a couple weeks ago and i asked bucks fans this on the jp peterson show on the sports web what was the most disappointing <coughs> aspect of this team has it been the lack of running game has it been the offensive line look those were questions coming in the main question was, or you, you kind of felt good about Jason Powers, my tag team partner of the world, is that you had that secondary, that back end with Carlton Davis, and you just re-signed Jamel Dean. You have Antoine Winfield Jr., who's the best safety in the game right now, and you have Ryan Neal, who you, you signed from Seattle, and it's been Ryan's hope at this point uh, because it's been a soap opera that's been depressing. He can't. Uh, stop giving up big plays. He did that in this game. It's been the most disappointing aspect of this team, that back-end unit. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, again, to me, Carlton Davis's worst game is in, in his pro career. 
He looked like he was walking in slow motion. I mean, he was just so lost out there. I mean, when when Dalton Schultz is when he has Dalton Schultz to man to man and he beats him by two steps on an eight on a twelve yard out route. I mean, just all you need to know in the last touchdown of the game in the last six seconds, he like he was like in slow motion. Didn't look like he could give two two flips about being in Houston and playing corner. Um, you know, just a terrible performance by him. Um, Jamel Dean, you mentioned he left early in this game with a concussion, so that comp- compromised him a little bit. Zion McCollum did not play well, holding calls. You know, he had the disastrous uh, zone drop there on the on the twenty five yard corner route in the last fifteen seconds, which set Houston up late in the game. Um, and and you heard Todd Bowles in his press conference on Monday call out the defense and call out the secondary and call out Carlton Davis. I mean, basically saying these are basic coverages we were doing. We've done these a thousand times and these guys just got to play better. It's not communication. It's just a lack of effort, whatever you want to call it, whatever word you want to put on it. I give Todd credit, Todd Bowles credit for calling them out. And also, yeah, Rondé Barber, the Hall of Famer, calling out the secondary. It's one of yep. the worst he's seen in Carlton Davis today, talking about it and taking accountability. And that's what you have to do. And now, you know, it's not about what you say. It's about what you do. And right. can you follow through with those actions. And hopefully the Bucs can do that on Sunday because, damn it, I'm tired of getting on this podcast and talking about the Bucs losing games. I want to have some wins here. What happened to that three and one start? <laughs> you know, it's by the wayside at this point. You know, they're three and five. And, you know, if Houston was a must win game, what is Tennessee, especially at home? And Tennessee coming into this game, they're 0 and 4 on the road. You know, the Bucs are now playing well at home. So something has to give here, Jason Powers. We're going to get to Tennessee here in a little bit. Let's Before we get to Tennessee, let's let's recap. Uh, again, the No Quarter Given podcast part of the BuckPower.com podcast network. Our man Paul Stewart has arrived in the United States. He is stateside now. He will be in attendance on Sunday. So our uh, our content provider here for the uh, on the podcast is in the States. We'll be here for the uh, for the weekend's game. I know you would hear heading to the lightning game on Thursday night from all from what I hear through the grapevine. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so you guys will have a fun time there. And I know uh I was uh potentially going to be part of that plan, but I, I wasn't going to be able to do that. I've got to do a high school. I've got a high school playoff game to get ready for Friday. I got to go to Orlando. I got to go to freaking Orlando for a high school playoff game Friday night. Well, why don't you come with us on Thursday night? Have a good time with us. So we'll, I've we'll- got, I've got, I've got a commitment. Unfortunately, as part of my getting ready for this game Friday night, that I've got a we've got a crew, a crew meeting for the playoff oh, game and all that stuff. Crew meeting, aka hanging out in downtown. Tampa. No, I'm see, yeah, well, I'm being you. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to meet you out on the on the Dale Mabry over there by the spaceship at some point. Thir- you and Paul Stewart are going to be. Uh, Rising up in the spaceship late night, Thursday night, post game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about post game. I, you do know that well, if the lightning. It's right game. next, right next to where you were at Sunday at Riveters. Oh, I know. You I were know. 10, 20, 20 feet walk down the street. I never went there. I went to Riveters and did my. Yeah, business. okay. Okay. I've never been there in my life. What I want to know is when we're all going to get together and have wings. TJ. You, me, Paul, we got to work on doing that. Like a that will get that will get booked before Paul leaves. Paul's going to be here for like nine or ten days. Okay, that, that will happen. We will get that. That Uncle TJ is going to going to coordinate that effort, and that will get done. I promise you that that one of the, you you got to get be available. Don't be uh 
Don't be scheduling all those hot dates midweek next week. Listen, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I'm not having any dates right now. It's completely focused. It's the JP Peterson show, the sports web, USF, Tampa Bay Buccaneer content. I, mean, I don't have time for that nonsense at this point. Love the women out there. Uh, but you know, I got to take care of business. I, I gotta, I gotta keep on keeping that a boy. That a boy. Yeah. All right, let's get to the game a little bit. Let's get to the Buccaneers offense played really pretty, pretty good. Uh, they create early turnover on defense with the, uh, the fumble recovery. They punch it in the bucks get up 17 to seven at one point in this game. Uh, again, Rashad white getting a little more running room with the offensive line, the passing game a little bit, a little bit better. Uh, just your thoughts on the first half of the Buccaneer offense getting out to a quick start. I mean, finally, they score a touchdown. I couldn't believe it, but they haven't scored a touchdown in all year long in the first quarter. I can't believe that statistic. Is that true? So they get out to a great start, and you're thinking, okay, here we go with this Bucks offense, and it looks like yeah. they're going to blow this team out. And then all of a sudden, here comes the Texans and the defensive uh, you know, mishaps and blown coverages and, and, and offensively not able to put them away either. But you had to feel good early especially in that first quarter that the Bucs were going to run away with this. So big moment. I mean, a big start. I mean, again, Bucks come out, come out well. K-Dot with a nice touchdown early. Uh, the Kind of a big play in this game, early early third quarter. You give up the 75-yard touchdown uh, on the cro- kind of the crossing route, and then the guy runs up the sidelines where Ryan Neal, again, again, I think it's been, you know, at least the Bucs have figured out he is not a very good pass defender. You can have him in there when it's obvious rundowns. And again, part of this is probably you want now you realize why why Ryan Neal was available in free agency as late as he was, why Seattle maybe didn't re-sign him, and why the price tag for him was what it was, because he has he he has some coverage deficiencies. Yeah, maybe. Uh maybe those pro football focus grades are not all cracked up to what they're supposed to be. <clears throat> all right. So big big part of this game in the second half is we we come out of halftime. Give up the 75-yard touchdown quickly. It's determined that the Houston kicker can't play anymore. So that kind of changes the strategy of this game a little bit. Houston's not going to be kicking field goals. They're going to be having to go for fourth down a little more often, probably go for two. So the Bucs, you know, it's a back-and-forth game in the second half. They, the, the Bucks have a pretty quiet third quarter. Uh, I can't remember what the score was in the third quarter, but then the Buccaneers, a former Buccaneer, Mr. Dare Ungabawale, takes over and give the guy credit, does a good job uh, kicking off, and he ends up making a 29-yard field goal in the fourth quarter, which good for him. And then, um, and again, so there's some strategy involved. The Bucs stop Houston on a two-point conversion because they have to, they go for two, not kicking it. So we get towards, and again, one of the kickoffs, a critical penalty by the Bucs. Devin Tompkins with a huge return, about a 60-yard return, and you got Cam Gill with a critical holding call on a, on a, on a long kick return, which backs the Buccaneers about a 50-yard swing and field position. And I know how many times we've talked about critical penalties at critical times that just killed the momentum of this team. And just think about it. You get that return. Uh, you feel better about it. And once again, it's just it, those type of things right there uh, they're important and they need to be cleaned up. And we continue, Jason, to sit here and talk about how this team is still committing critical penalties at critical times. You've got to clean it up or it's going to cost you. And once again, it costed you on Sunday versus the Texans. A couple offensively, again, uh, the play calling was was a little bit better this week. Uh, we still didn't see much up-tempo, which I, I don't understand what, why we're not seeing a little more of that. 
I didn't like the two calls. There was two separate calls where Baker Mayfield on an RPO is exposed by himself completely. I mean, hated those calls. There was one on the goal line where if he hands off to Rashad White, White walks in the end zone. They end up scoring a play or two later, but I did not like the decision by Mayfield to keep that ball, you know, if, if Mayfield's going to be keeping the ball on RPOs, you have to have that little tight end out in the flat like every other team you see or a wide receiver that comes in motion across the formation as an outlet because Mayfield's not going to outrun anybody. He's not going to shake and bake and juke anybody, especially um, that close to the, you know, in the middle of the field like that. Didn't like that one bit. They ran another one of those plays later on, and Mayfield got swallowed up at the line of scrimmage for a no-gainer. Didn't like those decisions by Mayfield. Yeah, questionable decisions, and then also you have a flea flicker, which uh, if you look on tape there, the All-22, Mike Evans is wide open, and instead Baker Mayfield goes uh, another direction, and it doesn't necessarily work out. And again, hindsight is twenty twenty, but those are the plays that, if they're properly executed, yeah. you know, it changes the outcome of the game. And it's really simplistic with talking about football. Football 101, you, know, you have those – type of situations where you call a certain play and it's a money play with Mike Evans wide open, you got to hit that play and you don't. Given all that, as bad as the defense played, as much of a wild up and down game as it was, the Buccaneers have the ball late in the fourth quarter after a Trey Palmer, nice throw to Palmer, which I Palmer's got to put that ball away and not get stripped, which again, to me, a young player, if you, if you watch the replay, Buck fans, he catches the ball and he keeps the ball in his inside hand, which allows the DB to strip it instead of putting it in his outside hand, which makes it much more difficult for the defender. The ball gets stripped. We get lucky as can be. Evans falls on the ball at the five-yard line. They move the ball back by rule, which is the right rule. They move the ball back to where he fumbled it from uh, at because we're inside of two minutes. Uh, they move the ball back to the 14, first and goal, first and 10 from the 14 with 49 seconds. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, here, and here comes here comes my again my biggest pet peeve. Not it, it, again, major mistake by Todd Bowles. You're the head coach. This is where you have to be good. Your defense, you have to, you know, your defense has not played well in this game. As a coach, you have to know the Bucks are either going to tie the game or win the game with minimal time left on the clock. And by minimal, I mean under 20 seconds. You're either kicking the field goal to tie the game, to go to overtime, or you score a touchdown, leave them 15 or 20 seconds. They're not going 75 yards in 20 seconds. Todd Bowles makes a fatal error in this game at 49 seconds after the review. He has the option to take a 10-second runoff and keep his last timeout or take the timeout and keep it at 49 seconds. For Todd Bowles not to take that, for not to take the 10 second run runoff was horrific. You take the 10 second runoff at 30, make it to 39 seconds. You still have five or six plays minimum from the 14 yard line if you need five or six plays. 39 seconds is an eternity with a timeout, with the ability to get out of bounds, with the ability of an incomplete pass, a defensive penalty. That is an eternity from the 14 yard line. It is, and it was one of the biggest question marks coming into the year, and this goes back last year, and I think the Cleveland game comes to mind where you're not sure what Todd Bowles can do when it comes down to time management and clock management. That's the biggest question. He's a defensive coordinator. Can he adapt to being a coach? You saw that last year when you didn't necessarily have enough faith in Tom Brady in that offense. 
So you waste the time and this time instead of wasting the 10 seconds and maybe trying to take a little bit more time. And you would also force Houston to use their remaining timeouts on defense. Correct. If the Bucks, if it takes the Bucks a couple of plays to advance the ball, whatever, you're going to force Houston to have to take the time timeouts, which doesn't give them the time on the back end if we do score to, to, to potentially drive the field. Where is somebody on that Buccaneer staff? And I don't know if they have a time management person or not to help Todd Bowles. I know Todd Bowles is defensive coordinator. He's got a lot going on. There's got to be somebody on that staff, you would think, helping Todd Bowles saying, hey, Todd, let's use the let's let's use the 10-second runoff to our advantage here. Either end the game or kick the field goal in the last 15, 20 seconds. Well, you would think, you would definitely think so, but his explanation is, you know, his they wanted to score, score. That's a bad, that's a bad explanation. Yeah. You can do both. There's yeah. plenty of time to do both. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And maybe you look at it right. I mean, because this defense has had you know, such problems. Yes, your defense is getting gashed. May, maybe minimize the amount of time they have to defend. Right, but maybe you also you relinquish. The control of calling defensive plays because he's not doing that. He's not going to do that. He's, he's going down do with the ship. But maybe he's going down with the ship. That's what it comes down to because you have you know too many hats, right? You got too many hats. You're wearing too many hats, and maybe you're you're overlooking some things here. Maybe you allow somebody some other set of eyes. But I understand what you're saying. I agree with you. It's there has that. to be somebody else on that staff helping him with time management. And yet we're continuing to talk about the same thing, and hopefully it doesn't happen again. But there you go. There so the Bucks, so the Bucks end up scoring on the first play after the review, which only takes three seconds off the clock. Great throw by Mayfield to K. Dotten up the seam. Great job. But the Bucks could have taken it to 39, and the clock would have started on the ready for play whistle after the 10-second runoff. So you could have been theor theoretically burned another five or six seconds before you snapped the ball. You could have been at 30 seconds when that when that touchdown is scored instead of 46. And obviously, guess when the Texans score? Six seconds left in the game. Yep. That 15 seconds would have made all the difference. That's three plays. That's three plays that Houston doesn't have. And Houston probably has to burn at least one timeout on defense, which they were able to keep on offense to burn on the first couple plays of the drive, which they had to use the timeout because the Bucks kept them in bounds. Right, exactly. And somebody has to explain to me what type of defense you're running. Is that a prevent style? Is that a soft style? Is that a soft zone? Because it hasn't worked all year long. It's not going to work. It doesn't work with this team. It, whether it's the corners not being able to play zone because they're man-to-man -man corners or whatever, the design, the execution, it has not worked. And I still don't understand how a rookie quarterback it took him 46 seconds. I get it. He's talented. He was talented coming in. Nine touchdowns, one uh, interception in yep. this game. You know, amazing numbers. Great out of Ohio State. But still, you can't allow, you know, wide receivers to have free release. You can't allow that. And that's what this defense did in that last drive. And it's just like. Well, here's what I would say. Here's what I would say from a defensive perspective. Mm -hmm. If you save your timeout on defense, if you're the Bucks, if you use the 10-second runoff, Guess what you can do when they cross the 50? You can call a timeout if you need to, to really make sure we're doing what we're going to do. Make sure we're all on the same page of coverage. I don't have a problem because you can't play man-to-man -man on the last drive like that, especially until they get inside the 30-yard line. Right. You can't play and take the risk of getting beat over the top for a 60-yard touchdown. 
Obviously, once Houston gets inside the 30 or so, then you can change your 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 philosophy. You have to do everything you can to play zone and keep them in bounds. But Zion McCullen did a terrible job on the 25-yard corner route. You have to make him throw the ball underneath. You cannot let him throw it over your head in the hole to where the guy catches the ball in strut and he gets out of bounds. Because if you keep him in bounds, you're probably going to win the game, even if he catches it in bounds. Yes, you, you, you win the game at that point. I mean, just so that part of it, I just don't understand. But again, I just think it was a terrible job on the time management part by Todd at the end there. And again, Todd's responsible ultimately because he's the head coach, but there has to be somebody else on that staff that's helping him getting in his ear. Hey, Todd, let's use the runoff here because we're either going to tie the game or win the game. There should not have been another possession. Or if there was, it should have been under 20 seconds left in the game. You cannot leave 46 seconds and two timeouts to the Houston Texans there. Let me throw this out at you. Does this happen with B.A. on the staff? Good question. I don't know. I mean, probably not. Probably not. I mean, I remember, you remember the Carolina game now. I remember there, there was some confusion about timeouts and stuff. Right. Like that, but um, you, you, didn't, you, you didn't see a lot of that. You didn't see a lot of clock management issues. And again, th- those were my biggest questions. Coming into it yep. with Todd Bowles as a head coach, you know, yeah, we knew he could be a defensive coordinator and X's and O's, but could he do the other things as being a head coach, which is, you know, clock management, challenges, right. challenges. Yep. Correct. Correct. This is where the difference between good teams and bad teams is how you manage these nuanced situations. Situational football, it's not all about X's and O's. It's about man- minimizing the probability of bad things happening. And by the Bucks not burning that clock, they maximized the bad things that were happening on a day when they were horrific in the secondary. Had the defense been lights out, okay, you can live with the extra 10 or 15 seconds. But when your defense has been gashed like they had, that 15 seconds is three more plays that the Texans get to run. Go, Great point. I mean, it's just, it's that's, and I didn't like his answer in the press conference on Monday. I did not like the answer of, oh, we wanted to score a touchdown there. You had plenty of time at 39 seconds from the 14 yard line to run any play in the playbook. You had a timeout. You could run a running play. You could run an inbounds play for four yards. You had all the time in the world from the 14 yard line in 39 seconds to run at least five to six plays from the 14 yard line. If you need, if you needed it. Right. Yeah, or you can just kick the field goal, right? Or at worst, you kick the field goal, you tie the game, you go to overtime. At worst, you had a field goal in the bag. I just I didn't understand that. And I and that was a and I didn't hear any media people talk about it. Very little. I didn't hear anybody on TV. I was shocked the TV broadcasters didn't talk about it. That was that 10-second runoff to me was the most critical part of that last. Two minute that last two minutes of that game, him not taking it and almost guaranteeing Houston could not win the game with a touchdown if the Bucks scored. It's a great point, Jason Powers. You're on it tonight. I mean, I've just and, and again, these are again this these part of the game. I mean, Tomlin's great at it. Belichick's great. All the great teams are typically great with clock management. What do we talk about with the Cowboys all the time? Clock management issues yep. when they when they they screwed it up. They should have kicked a field goal against the Eagles down 11 with 10 minutes to go. If you kick a field goal instead of going for it, remember uh, with the first, the tight end got stopped at the half yard line on fourth down. 
If you kick the field goal, you're down eight. Dak scores a touchdown, even though he steps out of bounds on the two-point conversion. You then, the last drive of the game for the Cowboys, you don't have to score a touchdown. You kick a field goal, and you beat the Eagles by one point. Yeah, but the coach is too busy, you know, getting massages in the back there. That's what happens. You know, too much analytics and too much too, too much, much aggressiveness. Yes. Yeah. Too much nonsense. And you, you talk about analytics, it's a tool of, uh, you know, a lot of great coaches and GMs and teams like that. But, you know, sometimes – you just have to play it out. You have to use common sense, if you will. And I think a lot of that's lost in sports in general, especially football. Fourth quarter game management is completely different than game management in the first three quarters. First three quarters, you can be more aggressive. You can go for it more often. But when you get to the fourth quarter, it is a completely new set of variables because of time and score. And that's where these coaches and these staffs get in trouble because they think that the same – analytics in the first three quarters apply in the fourth quarter when, when it doesn't that's when the games are just how many games in this league are decided by seven points or less probably 75 percent of them oh yeah honestly a lot a lot of games a lot of games uh a lot of bad football uh this year too so but right. you're exactly right yeah okay so the bucks fall to three and five they lose 39 37 in houston a critical loss they get a little bit of help with, with Atlanta losing to Minnesota, but New Orleans wins. They beat Chicago. They go five and four. So they're basically a game and a half up in the division on the Buccaneers uh, with, with them at three and five. We're still in it. But, again, a, that was a very winnable game that the Bucs should have walked out of Houston with a W, even though the defense did not play well. And you hope you don't have to look back at a type of game like this and say, yep. what could have been? Because this could be the difference between you winning the division. A and Absolutely. And it's it's every game like this, and it always goes back to what Uncle T.J. Reeves says. It's a week-by-week week league. It is a week-by-week week league, and it always is changing. Uh, and you try to do everything you can to get that advantage. And I just hope that that's not one of the games. As you look back and go, what could have been? What could have been with Atlanta? You had an opportunity to win that game. What could have been with the Buffalo Bills? Once again, what was it? Clock management. You took your sweet time to finally score a touchdown and you were acting like, you know, it, it's, it, you got five quarters right. and you got, you know, less than that. So I, right. I, I don't understand it. And it's, it's a common thing that is a big time question mark for me coming into this year and going into last year also. All right. So we're going to go to Paul Stewart with his montage of the Buccaneers and the Titans. You will enjoy this. And when we come back, we will, we'll give you a little Tennessee Buccaneer preview Sunday, one o'clock Raymond James day. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. Bucks and the Titans do not meet that often because of NFL scheduling arrangements, and this will only be the 13th time they have met. And this encompasses the time as the Houston Oilers, the 1998 Tennessee Oilers, and of course now as the Tennessee Titans. So a little trivia question for you. Can you name the other two NFL franchises the Bucks have played who have had three different names? We'll have the answer to that one a bit later on. The Bucks and the Oilers, of course, met back in the very first game in franchise history, the 12th of September 1976, and it all began with the Bucks getting lost coming out of their locker room and winding up in a dead end in the Astrodome. Perhaps this should have been an omen for what lay ahead. The Bucks would lose 20 to nothing, and they did really well to get to nothing. They did have a chance for their first touchdown, but Lee McGriff could not haul in Steve Spurrier's pass in the end zone, and the first field goal attempt by Miro Roder hit the post. Coach John McKay was his usual forthright self when asked about the game. Let's see. This team in Houston, have they lost any games? I believe they've been playing for 6,000 years, and I don't remember them winning any championships. 
we are an expansion team. We will be back. Yeah, unfortunately, 25 straight defeats later. The 1983 game in Tampa is legendary just for the title, the Reapers Bowl. Both teams won 11, and Reapers is super backwards, a moniker created by the Tampa Tribune to recognise the futility involved. The Bucks won 33-24 with four touchdown passes from Jack, the throw-in Samoan Thompson. 2001 saw the Bucks lose the Titans in overtime, but it did feature a late touchdown pass from Brad Johnson's Dave Moore. And seeing how both of them are friends, and they both know where I live, I have to include it in this feature. Jacquez Green in motion. And the pass up the middle, touchdown, Moore! 2015 saw the season opener and the encounter between Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, the top two picks in the draft that year. We all know what happened to Jameis Winston's first pass to Buccaneer, exactly the same as his last one, so enough about that. So we'll have a quick look back to 2019. The Titans beat the Bucks, but there were a pair of touchdowns from Jameis to Mike Evans. Winston with that pressure from Cam Wake, throws to the end zone, and it's Evans with the touchdown! Hurry up to the line. Winston for Evans. Evans for the touchdown. So in the answer to the earlier trivia question, the two franchises the Bucks have played have had three different names. One are the Raiders, who of course the Bucks have played in Oakland, Los Angeles and Las Vegas. The other one are the St. Louis, then Phoenix, then Arizona Cardinals. Now there will be a third one at some point when the Bucks play the Washington Commanders. They've only played them as the Redskins and the football team so far. Now, this game this Sunday will be very special for me because I'm flying 4,000 miles across the Atlantic to be there in person. And I hope to see many of you there at the What the Buck and the Crew Live tailgate parties. But when I get home, you'll be able to read all about it on buckpower.com. Every player, every game, everything Bucks. All right, Buck fans, we're back here. No Quarter Given Podcast as part of the BuckPower.com Podcast Network. Jason and Peter here with you. Hopefully enjoyed Paul's uh, montage of the Tennessee Titans. Um, Paul is in the building. We'll be in the building Sunday at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, Paul and Peter going to the Lightning game. We're going to hook up with, with Paul and uh, TJ for a little outing next, either this weekend or ne- early next week. But all right, Peter Blake, Tennessee yeah. Titans come to town. They come off of a 20-16 to 16 loss in Pittsburgh on Thursday night football. Will Levis has been named the full-time starter now in, in Tennessee. The rookie out of Kentucky played pretty pr- pretty well in his first uh, start against the Falcons. Played okay against Pittsburgh. Threw an interception late in that game to seal the game for Pittsburgh. Again, you can't let Derrick Henry wreck the game here. They're, you know they're going to try to get Henry going here. You know, you got a rookie quarterback. But the way, they, the way Levis has been throwing the ball and the Buccaneers have been defending the pass, could you see a scenario where they come out throwing the ball? DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the other receiver, you got the decent tight end, obviously Derrick Henry. How do you see this game plan going for the Tennessee Titans? I mean, for me, you put the onus on Will Levis. He's a rookie quarterback, and I get it. You haven't had a lot of success uh, versus a rookie quarterback uh, last week versus C.J. Stroud, but I'm willing to do that. You got to shut down a Derrick Henry. You got to make this team one-dimensional, and you got to get the best out of Carlton Davis. And Carlton Davis in the past has been able to shut down a DeAndre Hopkins. That is the matchup that I'm watching this week. Not just the shutting down the running game, but Carlton Davis returning to form, 
shutting down a DeAndre Hopkins. If you can make this team one-dimensional, put the onus on Will Levis, shut down DeAndre Hopkins, I think the Bucs have a chance to win. But it's tough right now. It's tough to have any positivity because you don't know what team you're going to get. You don't know... You know, where the plays are going to come from. You don't know where the turnovers are going to come from. You don't know if this team is going to be ready to play. They haven't played that well at home. Uh, Tennessee, again, has not played well on the road. No wins this year, 0 for 4. I'm going to continue to be the eternal optimist here and think they can turn it around and, and think they can beat the Titans. Maybe I'm a fool for that, but... It, the it, psychology it, of this team is going to be critical this week. How does this team bounce back? For the terrible, for the way that game ended in Houston, yep. one Carlton Davis is he is he going to understand? Is he going to take this as a as a as a manhood challenge against DeAndre Hopkins? Because they're going to throw up jump balls to Hopkins. That's part of their offense. They are going to they are going to test Carlton Davis with Hopkins and those throw it up 50-50 balls. We know Hopkins is physical. He likes to push off a lot of contact. So we're going to see we're going to see if, if Carlton Davis, who says he's a top five or six corner in this league. We're going to see if he's that if he's that player or if he's just an overpaid cornerback. Yep, agree. And he's going to have to make some plays. And like he said in the offseason, they're going to have to wreck some stuff. Can they wreck some stuff versus a rookie quarterback? They should have did it against Stroud. They couldn't do it. So they got their second chance here versus Levis and the Titans. And they got to win at home. We got to tell you right now, a lot of people complaining about fans not coming out. They're not yep. going to come out. This team continues to lose at home. Right. Be embarrassed to a certain degree with their offense's inability to score points. I mean, they weren't able to score against the Eagles. You're not able to score against the Lions. You're not able to score against the Falcons. Put some points up against the Bears, but it was, you know, up and down a fear that got closed out by Shaq Bear. But can, can we see some type of a blowout here can we see some type of convincing win where all sides of the ball play well all three phases of the game jason powers offense defense and special teams can they play a perfect game or somewhat of a perfect game and win in easy fashion i hope to see it i don't know and if he, you're gonna see it but you know here's one thing i don't want to see out of the coaching staff either another complaint i have with the coaching staff and this is a this is a valid complaint i'm not sure we're not trying to pile on anybody here you cannot in the last two minutes of the game, and there was a scenario last week in the last two minutes where Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Rashad White were all off the field, not in the game. That can't happen. That cannot happen. And I'm tired of seeing Keyshawn Vaughn fall down four yards in the backfield. Oh, he's terrible. He's I terrible. mean, let's ride Rashad White or and Chase Edmonds. Don't I don't want to see Keyshawn Vaughn anymore. Rashad White needs to be in the game 75% of the time, if not 80% of the time. Uh, he can handle it, and if he can't, wear him out till he gets it. I mean, I, I hate to say this, until he's begging to get out of the game, you keep Rashad White in the game. Or play Sean Tucker more. Uh, and, you know, this according to Greg Allman of Fox Sports. Vaughn, Edmonds, and Tucker. 49 carries for 85 yards. Terrible. Uh, 1.73 a carry. And during the four-game losing streak, 21 carries for 26 yards with those three running backs. And Vaughn, get this, 24 carries without gaining a single first down. Yeah. I've seen enough. He, he, you can't, you, yeah, we, we can't have it. He's you, not sneaky. He's not sneak Vaughn. And nobody sneak by. Uh, there's no yards at all. He's right. not getting the first down. Nobody's sneaking. He's not sneaking anybody. It's not good. Go to your strengths, Buccaneer coaching staff. Godwin, Evans, Otten, Rashad White are your strengths. Those yeah. are your guys. Feed them. Let the, I mean, Godwin was a negligent part of the game plan last week. Figure out ways to get these guys the football. These are your four best players on offense. 
Utilize them. Yeah. I mean, you want to go with the prediction? Yes, give me one. <laughs> you get the prediction first, because I. Okay. I'm going. I, I'm going to go. I'm going to give the Bucks the benefit of the doubt that they're going to bounce back. If they don't bounce back in this game, that's a big indictment on Todd Bowles. That I better see a spirited effort. I'm going to go Bucks 24, 24, 14 Bucks over the Titans. You Two turnovers by the defense. Three, four sacks. I'm going to go. I'm. I'm going to go 27, 14 Tampa Bay. Convincing fashion this week. They come out. They're they're pot. They're they're ready to go. They're pissed off. All three phases of the game, it's going to work out at Raymond James Stadium. And if it doesn't, and if you can, if you lose this game, uh, there's there's going to be lots of There challenges. will be some hard conversations in the Buccaneer front office. Yep. I mean, about the, the future of Todd Bowles. I don't, he's not going to get fired in the regular season. Nobody's asking for that. That's not going to happen because they don't – that's not going to happen to me under any circumstance. But if they lose this game – because remember, they go to San Francisco next week. Baker better win one of these next two games or there'll be a quarterback change. I'm telling you right now, if they lose the next two this week in that San Francisco, I think there's a quarterback change and you could see a, a quote unquote tanking because again, the Bucks are slotted number eight in the draft right now. Mm -hmm. You lose a couple more games. You have to start thinking about the draft with all the quarterbacks available in next year's draft. Yeah. Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Drake may we've heard it all throughout the off season. They didn't want to talk to. about it, but uh, yeah. All right. And, you, and you'll be able to see what Kyle Trask can do. All right, Peter Blake, quick quick summary where people can find your great work. Hurry. The Sports Web on YouTube, the J.P. Peterson Show on Facebook. Like and subscribe. That's it. I'm out of here. Powers on Sports Podcast, Florida Football Insiders Podcast. This episode this week, Heisman Trophy winner Charlie Ward. Charlie Ward. Boom, baby. The podcast. We're talking rivalries, his NBA career, Florida State, Miami. Charlie Ward podcast this week. Florida Football Insiders, Powers on Sports. Thanks for finding us. Subscribe, rate, and review. Paul Stewart, we will see you soon. No quarter given podcast. Let's get out of the losers bracket here in the quarter number three of the season. Let's go, Bucks. Here we go, Bucks. See you next time on the podcast, folks. Go FSC2. Join us again soon for another preview of a scallywag Buccaneer foe when we come back with another no quarter given podcast. And make sure for the best in historical Buck coverage, you go to BuckPower.com. And as always, keep listening to the BuckPower.com Podcast Network.